Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast is Patrick Healy, Jr. Patrick bowled collegiately at Wichita State University. He has three PBA titles. Patrick was also recently elected into the USBC Hall of Fame. Patrick, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Well, it's my pleasure, Tim. Uh, you know, I, I look forward to talking to you and Stephen about a lot of great subjects. Patrick, you're part of that 2020 USBC Hall of Fame class, so let's talk about that. When you received that phone call there, what was that like for you, and was this something that you maybe had an inclination that it was happening, or or walk us through that process of the phone call you received and, and your reaction? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, this is the pinnacle. This is this is the top of the mountain. But, um, I think every every player who aspires, uh, you, know, to, you know, to try and get into the Hall of Fame looks forward to this phone call. Um, and it was it was every bit as 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 wonderful as anybody can imagine. Um, Carl Carl, the president of the USBC, called me personally and told me that the committee voted last week and voted me in. And uh, the immediate joy that I felt is just immeasurable. You know, it's it was awesome. It was great. It was cool. Um, you know, uh, it was a short phone call, but you know, it didn't need to be very long because the news was 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 awesome. Um, and it took a couple of days for it to settle in, though. I mean, here today I feel great about it, and my head was spinning for the last two days, but now it's settled in, and I can honestly say I'm a member of the USBC Hall of Fame. You know, one of the one of the things that, you know, and some people who listen to this podcast might be familiar or so because we've talked a little bit, but, you know, I was uh, lucky enough and proud enough to have been on Team USA a couple of years myself, and the first year I made it uh, was the first year as well uh, that you did, Pat, and we actually got – to bowl together all around the world. We bowled in Cuba for the Pan American Games. We bowled in Singapore for the World Championships, and uh, we're fortunate enough to have some successes. So what were some of your favorite memories from bowling internationally and getting the chance to represent the USA in international competition? That's a great question. Excuse me. It's a great question, Steve. Um, well, honestly, you know, we, you and I have spoken about this. One of my... Um, greatest memories is winning the, winning the uh, gold double the gold medal in the doubles competition with you in Singapore at the world championships um, you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of things around that that people don't know about but the way that we did it and how we persevered and how we grinded and how we figured out a way to score at you know that last game that was really special for me in my mind um, so I hope it is as, it is as well for you um, and then uh, another one um, is um, when we, you and I bowled in Cuba in, in the Pan American Games, the first Pan American Games for bowling, um, you know, I had the luxury of, of winning the gold medal in the Masters event and then having, having Fidel Castro uh, put the medal around mm-hmm. my neck and shaking my yeah. hand and looking dead in my eye and, you know, saying things in Spanish. So, um, so those two things stick out mostly for me, I think, uh, from my years in Team USA. So I'm curious regarding the Open Championships and, and getting that call, is that something – where you, you kind of had an, an inclination that it may be coming, or did, did you know that that was when everyone was meeting and you would either be getting a phone call soon or you won't? I'm just curious as to if it's as out, you know, if it's as out in the blue as what it seems to be in some cases, or if this is around the normal time when these are announced and it's, um, it's kind of that thing. 
Well, honestly, this is the fourth the fourth vote I went through. I, I, I put my initial application in uh, three years ago, right? So this is the fourth cycle. Um, and I was busy coaching overseas, um, you know, during the U.S. Open. And I guess during the U.S. Open is when they do vote. And, I, and it didn't cross my mind this year at all. I just, it's, I was so busy and I was, you know, distracted with other things that when I came back from India, I was going through jet lag and, and some other things. And it didn't cross my mind. I mean, I had no inclination of anything. Um, and uh, and uh, Carl sent me an email saying that he just wanted to talk to me. And, and still, it didn't, it didn't hit me that it was going to be the Hall of Fame. And, you know, when we finally spoke, uh, that's what he told me. Yeah, it was, it was like, really? It was like uh, it, just, it took a while to settle in, you know. But, um, mm-hmm. but no, I, you know, you don't expect these things. You kind of hope for them. And, and you kind of believe that it's going to happen one day. At least that's what you tell yourself. But until it actually happens, um, you're always a little bit skeptical. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, and I, I tell you, you've got a few months here now to work on your uh, acceptance speech. And I can't tell you how excited I'm to be there myself in person and, and be there for the induction ceremony. It's going to be so cool. You talked a little bit too. You just mentioned there about coaching internationally. And you mentioned about coaching in India. I think right now you're you're outside of the U.S. Why don't you talk a little bit about what coaching you've done and what your current plans are for coaching? Well, well, I I retired from uh, from bowling officially in 2008. Um, I had a couple of injuries and a couple of things that didn't allow me to bowl at that time. Um, so I was trying to you know go to doctors and fix myself, but it actually got worse. So as time went on, I mean, I, I just kind of said, okay, fine. If my bowling career is over, now I want to get into a coaching career. And that's what I have been focused on for the last 10 or 11 years. Um, I've had the chance to coach and work with uh, five different uh, bowling federations. Um, it's been, it was my first job was in Kuwait. Uh, my next job was in the United Arab Emirates. I, I helped the Iraqi Federation for a little while, having a part-time, four or five months. Uh, I worked in the Guatemalan Federation for maybe a year and a half. And I just got back from India, as you said, Steve, um, helping them for the last five months. So, you know, that's, that's been my, you know, I guess bigger, bigger jobs, if you want to call it that. Um, outside of those, I've given, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of private classes and clinics and seminars and, um, you know, all types, of, all types of levels. It doesn't matter the level of player. I just want to help and, you know, make the person better so they can enjoy the sport more. So, Patrick, all the coaching you've done all around the world, is there any difference in coaching, though, when you're coaching in the Far East versus coaching down in Mexico or coaching in the in, uh, United States or anywhere you're doing? And then also with the two-handed delivery exploding onto the scene here within the last 10 to 20 years, how, is that, uh, how does that fit in with your coaching? Right, right. Good, you know, two good points there. Yeah, the first point, I mean, obviously – we're all human beings, right? We all do the similar things and make the same movements and want the same, same ideas of, of the bowling water react the right way. Um, I found that, you know, depending on you know, the area of the world, it depends on, the, you know, how big the person is, how strong they are. You know, they're in Asia, a little bit shorter people and in the Middle East, a little bit bigger people. So you, know, you just make some adjustments based on that, but it's still basically the same stuff. I mean, talking about, you know, timings, you know, arm swing, arm swing direction, uh, release point, uh, balance, uh, you know, all the other things that, that go into the physical game to allow the person to be as efficient as they can. So as far as, you know, a difference from, from place to place, um, I haven't seen a, a, a big one, 
it's just sometimes they're not as talented because they don't have as many bowlers as we as we're used to in the United States. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a challenge, but nonetheless, it's what I like to do. Um, the second part uh, with the two-handed style, then yeah, that's been a challenge. Um, you know, when it, when it started to explode with with Jason Del Monte and Oscar Palermo, not many we didn't know much about it. You know, I mean, these are, these are two guys who just started doing it by themselves, and and you know, lo and behold, they do it great and. And since then, um, it's been a lot of you know studying of the style and studying studying of the of what people do. And now on the PBA tour, there's you know five or six guys that, that do it really well and a little bit different each one of them, right? But um, you know, understanding you know the intricacies of that style and the kids who I've had a chance to work with who want to bowl two-handed, you know, it's, it's similar similar again. It's it's good balance, it's good footwork, um, it, it's good uh, timing. You know, with the hop step, you got to put that in the right way and and in the right distance. So you know, it's 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 a challenge, but I mean, it's not impossible either. Well, you mentioned you know the two-handed bowling, and it's been super popular. We see it all over here in the U.S. of the Storm Youth Championships and Junior Gold, and all throughout college bowling. And and uh, you know, as a former Shocker, you and I were both alums and have a lot of pride, I'm sure, in the in the Shocker bowling program. Um, but what kind of advice do you have for some of the the younger players, whether they're one-handed or two-handed, who are trying to find the right university or, or school bowling program for them? Well, what I advise any, any high school senior who's looking to go to college and bowl is that they start early in their, in their senior year. They, you know, don't leave it until you know, April or May or even June, Lord forbid, of, uh, of, your, of your last year in school to try and choose the college you want to go to. Start early. Start now, you know, October, November, um, just because there's so many schools now that offer, offer good programs. Obviously, I'm biased to Wichita State, as I'm sure you are, Steve, because of the program that they have and the people who are there and how well they run it. Um, you know, so you know, take your time. You know, give yourself time to, you know, to look these things up and study it, as well as you know, have, a, have an idea of what you'd like to study in the future, uh, what you'd like to have your, your, your major be in, in, in college. Um, most of these universities are, are top-level universities, so it wouldn't be an issue. But nonetheless, there's some small differences that if you just give yourself enough time, you'll be able to choose the right one for you. And then I just add to this that, um, you know, that every student who decides to go to college, uh, albeit to bowl, they should make graduating the number one priority uh, just because that's what they're going to be doing the rest of their life if bowling doesn't work out. Uh, you know, very few bowlers um, can, can go to college and, and graduate and go to the PBA tour and be successful. It's, it's, it, you know, the odds are tremendous. So, you know, always have that in the back of your mind that you want to graduate, have your diploma, Try and bowl if you want to. If it doesn't work out, then you go and get a job on what you graduated with. That's what I would advise them to do. So, Pat, you um, you started bowling, and you you were part of the urethane initial urethane craze. You went then through the reactive resin out on tour, and and um, and even in college, that was kind of the height of things. And now we're going back. It seems like to urethane. So, what are your thoughts on that? That we see more and more players on on both the PBA tour and even at collegiate tournaments, urethane is is in the bag and in some cases, the first ball out for some of the players. Yeah, that's ironic, isn't it? I actually thought about that myself. You know, uh, you know, you know the way you know how how bowling balls have have progressed and, and gotten better and stronger, and the equipment is at its peak today. And the bowling ball company is is really good because it's, it's all the same technology, right? But I think what's happened is that because of the you know, the balls got so good and the players started getting better, much better. The, the people who, who decided lane patterns and lane conditions have had to make them a little more difficult to keep the scores you know, manageable, okay, because they were getting out of control for a while. 
And in doing that, they have kind of um, taken away the advantage of reactive resin bowling balls. Um, now they're more of a disadvantage sometimes because they are not consistent. They don't give you a reaction you can count on every time. And when lanes go through transition and you have a bowling ball that uh, doesn't give you a, you know, a consistent look, my gosh, I mean, you know, I like telling people, you, instead of, you know, when you miss the pocket or don't strike, instead of throwing at a easy spin, you're throwing at designs, right? Big splits. So, you know, the, the smarter player will understand, okay, you know, I mean, right now, if it's a hard pattern or if it's transitioning or if my reactor stuff doesn't look good, let me use your thing, which is smoother, more predictable, and they'll be able to understand much easier what to do in the lane pattern. And it's going that way, and I don't know how much, you know, it, it, it's good, it's fine, and it's, it's, uh, it's sometimes the first option for some of these guys, right? You know, adding to that, with the rev rates being so high, as we talked about the two-handed players, they don't need reactive resin. You know, two-handed players, high rev, one-handed players, you know, they don't need that stuff. They, your thing is fine for them. Um, so I just think in general, bowlers are getting smarter uh, because they have to attack the lanes in a smarter way because, you know, the patterns are more difficult than before. It, it, all great points there on urethane. And, and, you know, one of the things that I know when we bowled the world championships together, you know, urethane was, it was our first ball out of our bag, but it was our, we didn't switch balls for, to shoot our spares. You know, a lot of times it made maybe spare shooting was a little bit easier when you're sticking kind of with uh, one ball and one cover stock material and that stuff. Uh, but ha- final question I have for you, Pat, how important are spares? to you as a, uh, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame player, PBA champion, you won the Tournament of Champions. So many people focus on the strike ball, but how, how important are spares to you? Well, this is, this is another good point. Okay, uh, just, and, and I'm going to say this just because, um, you know, with the new, um, I guess you call it frame scoring system that's been introduced, uh, you know, spares aren't as important as they were prior to that being introduced, right? So, but and nonetheless, neither neither scoring system. Spares are the most important thing. They are. I will repeat that. They are the most important thing. Uh, you got to be able to 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 know that sometimes you get a lane pattern where strikes won't be easy to get. Uh, you know, sport patterns, patterns that are hard to get to the pocket on purpose. If you're not a good spare converter, or spare shooter, uh, you're gonna lose uh, too many pins, and you can't cover it up with strikes because strikes are not easy to, you know, to do, right? And then even on patterns that are a little bit easier, where you can get to the pocket quite a bit and maybe cover it open, you know, easier than you could with, with you know, knots uh, you know, on, on a, t- a tougher pattern. Still, you know, you got to make your spares. In my clinics, I give an example, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I impress upon the people how important this is. I tell them, you know, every single pin you miss is a minimum 11 pins it cost you, 11 pins. And I look at each one of them and I tell them, are you that good that you can give you know free eleven or twenty two pins per game to somebody and everybody shakes their head no no because nobody can fight you know no it's impossible so I even tell them I said so understand the value of it it's eleven pins on your score after six games you look at your score if you hold ninety or hundred over but if you count them as seven easy spares that, you know that's another seventy five or eighty pins you just threw away in my opinion you know that's that, that's not that's not necessary right so absolutely i i i impress upon the people the importance of spares and and that will win for you more than strikes will well the and just real quickly follow up on that with the spares you know we did we had a thing a couple of years ago we were doing in our seminars around and we had uh, two examples on the pba tour and at the time walter ray williams he was the high average on tour and he had averaged 224 for the season and the 73rd average on tour uh, for that particular season 
was 11 pins behind. That was the difference there between first and 73rd on tour was, was one spare. One spare per game. There you go. How's that? And that's I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So it does just, just, just goes to prove exactly how important, you know, it's not just at the amateur level. It's at every level that spares are that critical. I even take it a step further. Sorry, Steve, but I even take it a step further. And I try and give the people an example. I'll tell them, you see, okay, a lot of these international official tournaments where, you know, they're both for medals, right? You know, I said, so it could come down to this for you. You know, and I look at, you know, one person where, you know, you bowl your six games, you get into the top three, the, you know, the top three is a step ladder. Let's say you're the leader. And, um, you know, you know, they bowl a semifinal match. It comes to you, you bowl your game, you get to the 10th frame, right? You're finishing the match. You have a strike to win, right? You have a strike in the ninth frame, and you have a strike to win, okay? So you focus until the best shot of your life, the absolute best shot of your life. And you're running it out, and you're ready to go, and it's a solid 10, right? Mm-hmm. Now, guess what, buddy? You got to get up there and make that 10 pin in front of all those people in, in that situation to win a gold medal. And that's, you know, I look at my, you're able to do that right now, and, you know, <laughs> they look at you with a, right. you know, their mouth opens, and they look at you with big deer eyes, and they're like, that's how it works, man. That's what you've got to be able to practice and be confident you can make that spare regardless of the circumstances. And that's what will win for you. Well, and we, me and Steve, we just chatted last week with Francois Laval winning a second U.S. Open title and, um, and spares on a tough pattern like they were bowling on in North Carolina. Spares were key. And we see, you know, on the PBA Tour, obviously spares are important. But when you get to the majors, they're, they're especially important because you can't afford to be giving away those pins and you need to keep something that you know, and some equipment that's going to keep the keep the pa- pocket in play for you, and and make good shots that you leave yourself spares you can make, and not those just dis- those designer spares like you were talking about earlier. That's exactly right, exactly right. And 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 I just hope more younger people, you know, college players, high school college players, will understand that going forward, and then, and make that a priority for themselves. You know, because if they can do that. They will see a big difference, you know, when, when they're struggling a little bit or they just don't have the right look or they don't feel real good that day and they're not repeating really good. But if they have a strong, strong spare game, they will hang in there and hang in there and hang in there until everything works out for them. And that will, that will give them more wins or, or more, you know, tournament money or whatever you want to call it in the future just because they know how to, they know how to make spares. All right. Well, Patrick Healy, Jr., recently inducted into the, the USBC Hall of Fame, part of that 2020 class. want to thank you for being here today. Wichita State alum as well, like Steve is, want to thank you for being here today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast. All the best of luck with everything. It sounds like you got a lot going on, and, and uh, we'll catch up with you again down the road. And thank you for making some time, as, uh, as you are very busy. It is my, my pleasure to be on and to, uh, to talk about things and, and – uh, and, and, and obviously, you know, celebrate my, my induction into the Hall of Fame. But more than that, it's just to talk bowling. I just love talking bowling, and it's, it's been great with both of you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you.